Hey there, it's the real Jason Duncan. I've got a special announcement for you really quick. I am hosting the Exit Lifestyle Conference in Nashville, Tennessee, February 3rd, 4th, and 5th. 2022. You don't want to miss it. Go to theexitlifestyle.com to learn more. I want you to know that I hired that business coach and we started working through how to exit the business. Now, a lot of entrepreneurs think about exiting and they think about the idea that exiting is really um, selling it to a third party. And that's certainly what I thought about this, what my business coach was thinking about. Hey, let's see if we can sell this thing. And the reality was I didn't want to sell it. Like I, I loved owning the business, I loved my employees, and I didn't want to turn it over to somebody else. So kind of accidentally over the next three, you know, 18 to, 18 to 24 months, three years, I, I figured out a plan, what I now refer to as exit without exiting. And it's actually what the central message that I coach every single day for entrepreneurs. I run an exit accelerator group coaching cohort, which you can read about at exitwithoutexiting.com. I run a mastermind called the Exeter Club, where I help entrepreneurs go through a year of a mastermind to actually exit their businesses without selling them. In today's ultra-competitive business world, being a successful entrepreneur or business owner can be very challenging. Fortunately, contemporary times have blessed us with resources for tackling those challenges and getting us to success more quickly than we could have imagined. Welcome to The Root of All Success with The Real Jason Duncan, a podcast that explores how the world's most powerful entrepreneurs grow incredible companies. This podcast looks at the five keys to unlocking success as an entrepreneur. A successful educator turned entrepreneur, Jason's mission is to use his gifts of teaching and leadership to help others get the results they want out of life. Join Jason every week and learn the keys to grow a truly successful business. Welcome to The Root of All Success with me, the real Jason Duncan. This is a podcast that is designed to explore how entrepreneurs build amazing companies, how they did what they did, how they got from startup to success and beyond. And you know, I, um, I've been an entrepreneur for a long time. I started my third company in 2010. I had a, had a company in the mid 90s that you know, really didn't go anywhere or do anything. And then I started another company, um, I guess in eight or nine, and uh, that didn't really go anywhere. But I started my first, what turned out to be my first successful company in 2010. Well, here we are uh, today in 2021, and I'm starting this podcast to explore not only how I was able to achieve success as an entrepreneur, but how hundreds of other entrepreneurs did the same thing. And I'd been wanting to do a podcast for a, a long time. As a matter of fact, uh, Christmas uh, two years ago, I guess it was, my wife bought me a podcast microphone because she knew that I wanted to do this. But I, but I really didn't have an idea. I didn't have a concept. I just knew I wanted to do a podcast because that was a thing. It seemed like everybody's doing podcasts, but I knew I wanted to do one. I just didn't know what it would be about. Well, coming out, uh, coming out of uh, 2020, uh, we all remember what that was like, right? Coming out of 2020, as we approached the end of that, that first year of the pandemic, um, I hired a coach to help me with figuring out not only my own personal next step as I exited my big company that had been successful into the next phase of my life, I also talked to him about doing a podcast. And that's where the root of all success was born. I was working with my business coach, uh, who was Mitch Russo, and talked to him about how 
like, I want to do a podcast. What should I do it on? And we talked about different concepts. And ultimately, I settled on this idea of there are five keys to success that I discovered over my years of just casually interviewing entrepreneurs here at the Standard Club, which is where I record these podcasts and elsewhere. And I started finding out that there were these five things that showed up in everybody's story. Like every single time I talked to an entrepreneur about how they became successful, I found out that there are these five things and they continue to show up again and again and again. Even even if they call them different things, these five things. And so when I was talking with Mitch about, hey, I've, I've got this theory about these five keys of success and I've actually put them in into an illiterate format. There's five P's. I said, I think this show would be really interesting if I invited successful entrepreneurs in who are killing it, who've, who've uh, created businesses that are, that are generating millions of dollars in annual income, who have produced a, a significant net worth as a result of entrepreneurship. If I interviewed these people, men and women both, from all over the world, I believe that would be an interesting show to talk about how they did it, and Mitch agreed. And so that's, that was the genesis of how this show uh, came to be. Now I'm recording this particular episode after I have actually had um, probably 40 guests on the show, but uh, we're making this episode one to give you an idea of what this show is gonna be like. So if you've stumbled across this on any of the podcast players or my YouTube channel, I want you to know that there are literally dozens and dozens, perhaps no matter, I don't know when you're tuning in for the first time, but perhaps even hundreds of shows of interviews of me with very successful entrepreneurs. And it is my guess that you're an entrepreneur or a entrepreneur, which is why you've tuned in. And I want you to know that this show is going to give you what you want to know. It's going to know how did people pull this off? How do people become successful? And you're going to find stories of people whose mom or dad was so instrumental in pushing them towards entrepreneurship that they didn't even realize until they'd become multimillionaires and then Maybe through it was the realization in this show that are like, oh my goodness, I didn't realize, I knew mom and dad were important, but I didn't realize they were that important. And it'll help you figure out who to look to in your life that's helped you push, you know, push you where you want to go. So again, this show is all about, it's called The Root of All Success, and it's all about how people became successful. So here's what I want to do. I want to kind of tell you in, in this episode a little bit about my origin story how I got started as an entrepreneur and how it led me to this point today where I am uh, somebody who's a successful entrepreneur building multiple multi-million dollar businesses and how I'm going to, in this show, through these episodes, help you do the same thing. So let me go back to the beginning. So and when I was a, when I was a, um, uh, a kid, a teenager, uh, all, ever since I was a little kid, I always loved to draw. And I was actually really good at it. I was a pretty good artist. And, and one of the things I liked to draw more than anything else was cars. And so as that uh, passion stayed with me throughout all my years growing up and even into my teenage years, I became um, pretty proficient at drawing, was very good at it. I was the president of the National Art Honor Society in high school and got accepted to two art colleges and I was planning on going to design cars for a living. I wanted to work for, you know, maybe GM or Volkswagen or, or you know, whoever, you know. I, I wanted to work for a car company to design cars. but. But I also have, I have a very strong faith in, in Jesus and have grown up uh, following Jesus all my life. And as a part of that experience, I would go to a church camp every single year growing up. And it was a little camp called Camp Christian in Burns, Tennessee, which is just west of Nashville. And I remember going there from the time I was 10 or 11 
until I was a senior in high school. So I went for a pretty, pretty long stretch of time. And um, I, I, I loved the camp experience so much that as I became old enough as an older teenager, 16, 17, 18 years old, I would go back and I would be a counselor. So I would essentially be at camp all summer long and I'd be, counsel I'd be the counselor for most of the weeks. And then the one week of the summer where it was my age group to be the campers, I was the camper. So I would, I would <laughs> drive out on a, on a Sunday morning and spend an entire week at camp and then come home for the week, you know, Saturday night, you know, do laundry, whatever, and then go back. And I would, literally, I'd be there six, six weeks out of the summer. And I remember there was the, the, the summer between my junior and senior year of high school. Um, I was laying, all the counselors, you know, normally the counselors would stay up past, you know, lights out for all the campers. Campers would go to bed in the dorms and the, and the counselors would all meet out either by the fire pit or out in the field or at the deck or something and we would all sit around and talk and we, were, we had become good friends over the years of working together as counselors. And I remember laying, it was one night laying on my back, um, all of us were kind of laying on our back out in the field just looking up at the stars. and. I remember having this overwhelming feeling that I, I had just been accepted to these two art colleges and I was thinking about going into my senior year of what life was going to be like uh, becoming a car designer, an industrial designer. And I remember thinking, as much as I like doing that, the feeling of impacting and changing these kids' lives, um, that was what gave me more fulfillment than anything else. And it was somewhere along the lines. Uh, somewhere in that time frame that I, that I knew that my life was going to be different. It wasn't going to be pursuing uh, car design and industrial design. And so I made a decision to, uh, what, the decision I thought at the time was the right thing was to go into ministry. So I um, essentially turned down uh, the offers to go to two art colleges and applied for a local university here in Nashville called Lipscomb University and to go into their youth ministry program because I thought this is what I want to do. I want to I minister to kids, I want to lead, I want to change people's lives. And that was, that was the decision I made and that was, the, uh, that was the path that I started following. So I started following that path and uh, went into ministry, got married really early. My wife and I got married when we were 20 and 19 and so she and I started this journey very young um, in, a, in a field that doesn't pay very well. <laughs> I think my first year um, in ministry, the first year that we were married, I think we made like eleven thousand dollars. I mean, it, that's it's insane that we were able to make it on that. But but uh, we made it, um, as most people do. You figure out how to adapt and overcome, and then we adapted to that new lifestyle. And uh, throughout those years in ministry, I spent the next thirteen years in ministry, not just youth ministry, but eventually I became uh, what. You know, ministry circles would be the preacher, or the senior minister, or the pastor, whatever you want to call it, the guy up front on Sunday mornings speaking to everybody and kind of managing the congregation. And so I did, I did that and youth ministry for about 13 years. And um, throughout that time, I spent a lot of time as a bivocational minister. And what that means is, for those of you that don't know, bivocational means two vocations. So I had ministry as my primary passion but in most cases I was doing it part-time or I wasn't making enough money full-time as I just illustrated to pay the bills. So I had another job. So I had a different vocation. So I was, uh, most of the time I was selling. I had, a, I had a job in sales and I worked in the life and health insurance business and I was selling life and health insurance to small business owners. And so that's kind of a clue to where we're heading. You know, that's, that, that is kind of one of the initial roots 
of my success as an entrepreneur. So I made this decision to not go into car design. I made the decision to go into ministry. Um, I was the decision to have to earn money some other way was forced upon me. So I ended up in sales and actually turned out to be pretty good in sales. The first three or four years, I didn't, I wasn't very good. I didn't know what I was doing, but eventually I came, became pretty good at sales. Um, but in spite of my being good at sales and could make a lot more money in sales, my passion was impacting a lot of people's lives, changing people's lives, helping them get to the ideal life that they truly wanted. Now, my perspective at that time was simply through the lenses of, lens of faith, and specifically faith in Jesus Christ. But I, but I ultimately left all the sales behind and went full-time into ministry for the last, I guess, six, five to six years, maybe more of um, uh, the last five or six years of my ministry career. But here's the next change. So the next change in my, in my life as a, as a, as a professional was in, uh, came in 2005. And I don't tell this story a lot, but I want to, I want you as a listener listening to the podcast to kind of know this story because it ha has a lot to do with why I made the decision to leave the career of ministry. And I, I, I ended, up make, ended up making the decision to leave the career in ministry um, uh, on the heels of Hurricane Katrina. So Hurricane Katrina hit New Orleans in 2005. And I remember, um, I remember very distinctly what happened because my wife and I, in the late 90s, had lived in the city of Amite, Louisiana, in Tangipahoa Parish, just north of New Orleans, uh, for a while, and I was a youth minister there. And we had made friends there, we knew people there. So when Katrina hit, we knew that it had affected lots of areas around New Orleans, not just New Orleans proper. And so I reached out to my friends down there, and I hadn't talked to them in a long, long time. And I just checked on to see if they were okay. And what, here's what I found out. Number one, they were okay, so that was great. Number two, yes, they needed help and they would welcome help. Uh, so I put together a group, I think there were like 18 of us from the church where I was the pastor at in, in the Nashville area, because I'm, I'm from Nashville and I, have, I was pastoring a church in, uh, ten, in the Nashville area. So I put a group and we went down there to help. But the other thing I found out was that one of my closest friends who, was a, who had been a deacon at the church where I served as youth minister was now pastoring his own church there in the, in the city where I used to work um, as, a, as a minister, youth minister. And so we went down and we worked with churches for a week or so, there were 18 of us. And I remember absolutely being blown away by what I experienced on so many different levels. Of course, the devastation of the hurricane was terrible. Um, and we did a lot of work to help clean up and, and uh, you know, remediation, taking out, taking out the sludge and the, and the gross stuff that just, you know, goes into, goes into a home after a hurricane. And uh, we ended up sitting down with my friend and his wife. Uh, I say we, it was one of the guys with me from our church, a good friend of mine. Ended up sitting down with them um, the day we left to drive back to Nashville. I had to drive back to Nashville earlier, one day earlier than everybody else because I had to preach the next morning. So it was about a nine hour drive. So I remember my friend and I sat down with my friends from, from Louisiana, their names were Jeff and Tammy, and I remember sitting down with them and saying, you know, what happened? Like, like I, remember, I remember being a part of the, your church back in the late 90s, but your life is so much different for me now. Like, and I don't want to get too, too overly spiritual, but like you actually seem to be in love with Jesus. Like things are different. Like it, I don't even know, I don't know how to explain it. For those of you that follow Jesus, you may, you may kind of understand. But, but they kind of explained what had happened and they had a, a change in focus and that they really wanted to make an impact. And, and so we, we all prayed together and then, then Phil, my friend Phil and I hopped in the car and we drove the nine hours back to Nashville. 
And I remember on that drive back, Phil and I talking about it. And of course, Phil had no history. He didn't know these people at all. But he also knew me really well. And he knew that, that something was brewing. Something was changing. And on the way back, I made a decision. I, I'm not going to be the minister at this church anymore. I can't do this. Because as much as I like ministry in general, I'm not making a difference the way that I feel like I could be making a difference. So I had this, this shift in focus and shift in momentum. And I came back and decided I've got to do something different. And the something different was I wanted to teach school. And this kind of goes full circle back to the youth ministry days. It's like I, I think I can make more of a difference in the, in the I know that the school's not the business world, but out in the, the normal world rather than the ministry world. And so I came back and immediately started looking for options about how, to, how do I take this next step in my life? Where do I go next? And um, I found, again, uh, I found a Lipscomb University um, had a master's program in education that you can complete in 18 months in a cohort setting. And uh, it ended up being 17 of us. And I got accepted and started within two weeks of finding out about it. And not only that, this is the other cool part of the story, is that I knew I wasn't going to go into debt for school anymore because I was still trying to pay off my undergrad stuff. And uh, I had friends and family who believed in what I was trying to accomplish so much that I was given the money to go to school by friends and family, and it was, it was amazing. So I went to school, got my master's in education, started teaching school, so let's track. Wanted to be a car designer, made a decision not to do it, went into ministry, did ministry and sales for a long time, got tired of the ministry machine, as I referred to it, and ultimately decided <clears throat> I was going to do something different. I was going to be a teacher. And I got my master's in education um, from Lipscomb University. I think I ended up graduating in 2007. And uh, so, like, I came back from Katrina, helping out Katrina in 05, started the program, graduated in, I think, June, May of June, May or June of uh, 07, and started teaching school that fall and fell in love with it. Now, again, in terms of finances, finances, you know, I was making less money <laughs> as a teacher than I was a as a minister. So it was a little of a step back. My wife ended up having to go, um, go get a full-time job to help supplement our income as a family because she'd been staying home with our kids up to that point. But our daughter was starting kindergarten, so it was, it, was, it was good timing. And I started teaching school, and I fell in love with teaching. And I taught school for, <clears throat> for, um, for four years quite successfully, became one of the number one teachers in the, in the county for test scores. My students performed really, really well, and, and uh, I, I just loved it. I mean, the kids... The kids liked me, at least most of them did, and I liked them and, and uh, got along with most of the teachers well. The administration liked me, parents liked me. So it was going well. But then um, this is where entrepreneurship came into the story, and this is where we're heading because this, this show is called The Root of All Success. So in... Um, Coming out of the twenty, coming out of the two thousand eight recession, uh, it started. The waves went through two thousand nine, two thousand ten, two thousand eleven of budget cuts throughout lots of state agencies, government agencies, and one of those was the state department of education and the county where I worked. And even though I was the number one teacher in the county with the test, the highest test scores, even though uh, I was I was a model teacher. And other teachers would come and observe me. Like I, I was doing great. I didn't have tenure. I had not been in the county long enough, and I had been the la I was the last guy hired. And so the decision was made, and they had to cut teachers. I was one. I was the guy on the chopping block. There was me and one other guy in the, in the building. The last two hired, 
<clears throat> and it was devastating. Absolutely devastating. I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't know how I was going to, you know, how do I fulfill my, my passion of impacting kids and impacting the world. And uh, so I remember going home that day. I left school about 3 o'clock, drove to my wife's office, and, and I went in and told her the news. And, and uh, I didn't know it, I didn't know it to, at the time, of course, but she had had a pretty bad day, completely different situation. And when I told her, I mean, just both of us were devastated. And that night, the next few days were pretty rough. And I found out about that in, in like April. So I had plenty of time. Uh, it wasn't like they'd just, hey, don't come back tomorrow. It was, you finish out the school year, you just won't be able to come back in the fall. We, we won't have a position for you. So that is when I became what I call an accidental entrepreneur. So I had, um, you know, I don't want to go into all the details, but I had started a, a, a company just kind of a, as a, at his, at his insistence, kind of as a hobby back-end workshop thing on the nights and weekends a year prior to this event. But now here I am standing a year later, the company really wasn't making any money, doing anything, selling anything. It was more of a, an expensive hobby than anything else. But I'm, look, I'm staring down the barrel of no opportunity to teach, no other school systems were hiring, the budgets were getting cut everywhere, and I really didn't want to go back into the world of full-time sales. So I looked at the company that was there and I made a decision. I made a decision. I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to give a run at this company. And you know, the way we started the company was, was doing, it was an energy company. We were doing alternative energy creation like hydrogen and ethanol. And I thought, you know, I'm not really passionate or I don't know a lot about, I'm not really prepared to succeed in, uh, in this, you know, in this, this thing. But this energy concept, I think energy efficiency is the way to go. So I, so I told my wife, I said, I think I could turn this company into something where I could sell LED lighting. You know, I think I could probably do that to commercial buildings. And uh, I, had a, I had a business partner that I decided to bring in who had a lot of contacts in the medical field and the hospital field. And, and so through that contact and some other decisions that were made, I started working on building the idea of selling LED lights. Now, I, this was right on the heels of finding out I wasn't coming back to school in the fall. And I gave myself a deadline, and this is something I think that you want to consider too, is make yourself a deadline. I made a deadline August the 15th of that year, which was 2011. I thought, if I don't sell anything, if I don't have a contract coming in, I'll, I'll go get a job at Starbucks or Lowe's or what, you know, whatever. I'll go get a, quote, real job. I won't do this entrepreneur thing. And on August the 12th, I ended up landing what turned out to be a $2.3 million contract. And obviously, I didn't have to go work at Lowe's. Um, and that was my that was my entrance into entrepreneurship. Now I know that that does that sounds like it's all glamorous and it it sounds certainly a lot cooler and and more flashy than it really is. But the reality is that money, even though it turned out to be a two point three million dollar contract, came in over several years, and we didn't make really any money until the following year. But pretty soon I went from unemployed teacher to millionaire, building a multi million dollar company, and uh, and that's how I came into this idea of being an entrepreneur and being a successful one. I ended up winning you know, the Rising Star Award by the Tennessee Small Business Development Center. We ended up winning, um, I got nominated for 40 Under 40 by the National Business Journal, the Sumner County Impact Awards. Um, ultimately, we got on the Inc. 5000 list as one of the pri fastest privately held, uh, fastest growing privately held companies in the country. We got on the Entrepreneur 360 list as one of the number one entrepreneur companies entrepreneurial companies in the country and, and others, other awards like that. 
and uh, I started experiencing the success of entrepreneurship. I was making a lot more money. Um, I had a fantastic team, the team that works, still that works in that company, and I still own that company to this day. Like they are amazing, and I pray for them by name every day. They're just fantastic people, and their tenure, um, you know, they've been with me a long time, and it's it's been it's it's been a fantastic ride. We're gonna take a break from our show right now to bring you our sponsors. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, thanks for listening to our sponsors. Now back to the show. So, but here's what happened. I had, um, I woke up, I, I call it a wake up moment. I kind of woke up about seven, seven or eight years into that experience. And I realized that I was working way too hard. I was spending 70 plus hours a week sometimes running the business. Uh, I couldn't turn email off. I, you know, people, I was the one, the linchpin around which everything hinged. Everything was on me. And that's the story of most entrepreneurs, isn't it? That's probably your story. Like you become the hero of your business. You, you have a savior complex. That you are saving everything. And you like it. And you're seeking fulfillment in the business, just like I sought fulfillment in my business. <clears throat> and, but the reality was I, I started the business out of sheer desperation to survive. But the reality in, in entrepreneurship is you start the business because you want to be your own boss. And you want freedom of time and money. Really what that boils down to is the word control. You want control. Well, what I discovered seven, eight years into that experience is that the business was controlling me. The only benefit that I got out of the business really was I was making more money. But in order to keep that money coming in, I had to work harder. So I, 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 I hired a business coach for the first time and I started kind of talking to him about this and I thought, this, this is not the way I think this needs to go. By the way, you should have a business coach. I believe every entrepreneur has a business coach. And, and I truly believe that had I hired a business coach early in that, in that experience of building that company, it would have been a very different experience for me, a better experience. But I didn't hire the business coach until uh, I think 2017. So the company had been in existence for almost seven years by the time, well, over seven years by the time I hired him. And there's a whole story as to why I didn't hire one as, as <laughs> I don't want to get into, but, but uh, I wanted to hire one as I was prevented uh, from doing so uh, by, by other people in the business. But I digress. I could tell you that story over a bourbon sometime. You, you and I get together, we'll tell, I'll talk to tell that story. But, um, but for the sake of this story, I want you to know that I hired that business coach and we started working through how to exit the business. Now, a lot of entrepreneurs think about exiting and they think about the idea that exiting is really um, selling it to a third party. And that's certainly what I thought about this, what my business coach was thinking about. Hey, let's see if we can sell this thing. 
And the reality was I didn't want to sell it. Like I, I loved owning the business. I loved my employees and I didn't want to turn it over to somebody else. So kind of accidentally over the next three, you know, 18 to, 18 to 24 months, three years, I, I figured out a plan, what I now refer to as exit without exiting. And it's actually what the central message that I coach every single day for entrepreneurs. I run an exit accelerator group coaching cohort, which you can read about at exitwithoutexiting.com. I run a mastermind called the Exeter Club where I help entrepreneurs go through a year of a mastermind to actually exit their businesses without selling them. Now, some people want to sell and that's fine. I can help you do that too. But, but what if you could exit daily operations and yet maintain the financial and tax benefits? And that's what I discovered, again, by accident. I was an accidental entrepreneur, went from unemployed school teacher to millionaire, and now I'm an accidental exit without exeter. <laughs> and I know that's not really the right way to say it, but, but I discovered that there were these four things that if I did these four things, well, because I did these four things, I was able to exit daily operations, and I did. So in 2020, I exited daily operations and started a consulting company to help other people do the same thing. And that's when I started this business of running the, the Root of All Success podcast, which is one of the passions of my life now. I, I thoroughly enjoy staring at the camera. So if you're not listening to this, if you're only listening to this on a podcast player, I also do these by YouTube. You can go to youtube.com slash the real Jason Duncan and you can watch these. And in order, this is a solo episode. Normally my episodes have a guest. But today I'm just telling you the origin story, the podcast, my origin story as an entrepreneur. But I started this podcast. Not only that, I started six other companies. I started a private equity, a private investment company. I started a real estate investing company. Uh, I started a, uh, an e-commerce company. Um, I, started, I started another consulting company that has a different focus. Uh, and and I'm, I started an online university called Results University, which you can go check out at resultsuniversity.org. I started all these companies because these were, uh, these were conduits for my passion in different ways and understanding how to continue to create generational wealth, not just for my family, but for my, my, my kids, 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 and, and for my community. And that led me to this place where I can now talk about on this show, success. Because I experienced uh, lots of uh, measures of success in different ways. And, I, and success, as defined by the dictionary, is getting the results that you hope for. And that's why I named my university Results University. Because really, success is about getting the results you hope for. So what is it that you want? If you want fame and fortune, okay, you're successful when you get it. If you just want fortune, no fame, you're, like whatever it is you want, Maybe it's more time with your wife or your husband or your kids. If that's what you want, when you get it, that's success. And so what I started doing about three, four years ago is I was experiencing success and national recognition as an entrepreneur in my company that I continue to own today, but I have no daily duties. I exited daily duties, got, another, got my team running everything, got a new CEO put in place. All that's happening. I still get the financial and the tax benefits of that company. Now, long term, I may end up selling it, and that's actually part of my plan. But the deal is, like, I exited without having to sell it to a third party. I was able to experience the benefits of both sides. No daily operations, but get, you know, continue to get the financial benefits. And I thought, how are other people succeeding? That was, for me, that was success. That's what I wanted to accomplish. And to that end, I was successful. But how do other people accomplish this? So over th three or four years, 
I've been asking people here at the Standard Club, because there's lots of entrepreneurs and very successful business people here, started asking them about how did you how did you build that company? And so I've talked to people who've built manufacturing companies, uh, brands like personal brands. I've talked to people that have built alcohol brands. I've talked to people who build aviation brands. I've talked about to people who've built uh, PPE, you know, personal protective equipment and cleaning supplies brands. I've talked to people who've built $10 million pressure washing companies. Like this show has led me to talk to some of the most interesting people who've been all over the world. I had, I've had guests on the show who, who've been involved in, 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 the, in the entertainment industry. I've talked to guests who, who've been athletes. Like these guests have all achieved some levels of success. And it comes from these three or four years of me casually interviewing people. How did you do it? And I turned it into a show. And what I found is that these five things show up every single time. And so I want to go over, I want to kind of finish out this episode, episode one, telling you what those five things are. So as you listen to all the future episodes, as you tune in, you'll see that almost 90, 95% of the time, I specifically go through these five things as a result of asking the person their story. I ask them to tell their story and I ask leading questions about their story so I can kind of dig into how they did it. And what I'll find is that these five things show up, whether they realized it or not. And I've had guests, um, had one guest in particular that, that was so moved by one of the points, the five points of success that he had never considered and he, he agreed that it was in fact one of the keys to success that he, he kind of broke down and started crying. Now we edited it out because we want to be <laughs> we want to be kind to him, but like this this information is 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 true. It's these five things. And now if you as an entrepreneur will apply these five things, you too can get the results you want. You can get to success. And it starts here, this root of all success podcast. You can understand these five things. So let me tell you what they are. And if you're watching this on on YouTube, I'm actually going to use my fingers because I've got a way for you to memorize these five things. But the first key to success is passion. If you want to know how to achieve success, to get the results you want out of life, whether it's as a W-2 employee, as a contractor, as a, self, as a single shingle, as an entrepreneur, as a small business or a large business owner, passion is the number one thing that I found happens in everybody's story. And it isn't just emotional passion where you really like it. Like I'm passionate, I like motorcycles, right? And I'm actually in the process of, of looking at buying a motorcycle dealership because I'm, I'm now have exited the other businesses and I want, without exiting, without selling it, so I'm looking at investing in other businesses. There's this passion, that things that you like, this emotional passion, and that, that is a, a help to success, but it is not an indicator of success because there's been plenty of entrepreneurs, and you know them, who've been extremely passionate emotionally about something and failed miserably miserably. So passion actually means, if you go back and look at the root word, it actually means willing to endure. Willing to endure. So on the thumb, when I go through the five fingers, on the thumb, passion is the first one. And you can do it like thumbs up. Like what are you passionate about? It's meaning willing to endure. And if you're not willing to endure for your business, you're never going to succeed as an entrepreneur. You've got to be willing to suffer or to endure through the hard times. And I know I told my story, you're like, yeah, that's great, Jason. Within six months of starting yours, you had $2.3 million contract. I, I get it. And I said, it sounds a lot more glamorous than it really was, but there, there was a long time before money started rolling in. 
you know, my first, the first check we got from a customer was like $18,000. And that doesn't, that doesn't go very far when you have to buy equipment and products and parts. Now there was a time when I got a $686,000 check from that customer and that did go, <laughs> that, that went exactly like you might think it would. But, but passion isn't just about being excited about it emotionally. It's about willing to endure for it, willing to push through the crap and the hard times. And so in the show, I'm going to be talking to entrepreneurs who became tremendously successful and you'll hear stories about how they had to endure those early days and had to endure haters, bad business partners that almost made them go bankrupt, bad employees who stole from them and embezzled. You're going to talk about uh, death and sickness and business partners that uh, business partners who died and, and, and maybe spouses who passed away during, during the building of the business. You're going to hear these amazing stories about how these entrepreneurs endured and became successful because of that endurance, and that's passion. The second P is on the, the index finger, the one you point with, your pointy finger, and that is being at the right place at the right time. So if like I can use my finger to point at something, like a place, and it's P, so you got passion, place. So being at the right place at the right time, and you're gonna, you're gonna hear, hear stories about entrepreneurs who were at a specific place and time that had they not been there, there's no way their story would have ended the way that it did. Now, contrary to what you might think, it wasn't dumb luck or blind luck that allowed them to be in that place, is that they put themselves many times in those places so that they could become successful. And I look at my story and I look at, I was willing to endure very hard times at the beginning where no money was coming in and we didn't know where we were going to get our, our LED products from. We didn't know how we were going to install them. We didn't know who was going to test them. We didn't, like there was endurance that I had to go through. But our, there's also the right place in time. I think about me just studying hard and finding what is this, what's the next big energy thing that's going to happen. And it turned out that I was right when I chose LEDs. That I was at the right place at the right time. Had that been five years earlier or five years later, it wouldn't have worked. Being at the right place at the right time. You're going to hear stories on this show about somebody who went to a meeting. And this is, this is actually a story. Uh, one of the guests on the show went to a meeting completely by chance. Uh, a multi-billionaire was at the meeting. It was like a Chamber of Commerce meeting. Nothing against Chambers of Commerce, but it's not often that you have a multi-billionaire at a local Chamber of Commerce meeting. That guy just happened to show up and he happened to sit next to my guest and that chance meeting, right place, right time, turned out to be something that set him on the path to success, wild success. And you'll hear about that here on the show. So passion, right place, right time. The third, and it's on the middle finger, and so on camera you can see I'm flipping a bird, but not really. But what, I'm, what I mean is it's people. So the third P is people, knowing the right people. And it's on the middle finger because what do you use the middle finger for a lot of times? It's to indicate dis, uh, disgust in a person, right? So people, knowing the right people. You know, and, and these people that you know to get you to success could be negative or positive influences. You know, part of my story includes having business partners, um, that there were positive aspects and negative aspects of that business, but that was the right person for me. And they're going to find out on this, in, these, in these stories you hear on this show about how certain people, whether it's mom or dad or a business partner or a chance meeting with someone on a subway or, as it turns out, there's a lot of teachers who are the right people that pushed someone towards success. So that's the third one. And then the fourth one is on your index finger, or your, uh, your ring finger, rather. It's the hardest one to put up, right, by itself. Um, and that's preparation. 
And preparation is the fourth key to success that I've found over time and that I talk about on this show. And this, this particular key is the hardest one because are you prepared to be successful in the thing that you choose to do? You know, I use this example a lot on the show and I talk about it with my guests is that, you know, Jeff Bezos uh, is, is prepared to be successful in space because of what he's prepared to be able to do. Same thing with Elon Musk right now in our time. But I, they couldn't have done that 20 years ago. They can't, and it wouldn't make as much sense 10 years from now, but right now it makes sense in being, because they're prepared. I couldn't go out and start a biochemistry lab because I don't know, I'm not prepared. I don't have the education or the know-how to accomplish it. And what you'll find is that a lot of times the entrepreneurs on this show that I study that are successful, had a spe specific preparation in their life, whether they wanted, whether they did that on purpose or not, to be prepared for the thing that they ultimately became successful. So what are you prepared for? And it may be something that you don't know anything about, but you have prepared for it and you don't really realize that you know more about it than you think. You know, my preparation to be successful in the business that I started in 2010 wasn't that I was prepared because I knew lighting or knew how electricity worked is because I was prepared because I knew how to sell. And then everything else started coming in. And then the fifth P, let's, let's, well, let's do a review. There's passion, it's on your thumb. Being in the right place, right time is on your pointer finger. People, knowing the right people is on your middle finger. Preparation is on the fourth finger. And the fifth one, the little finger, the smallest word of all, small and the smallest finger is plan. And I'm not talking about business plan, although that does make some difference. What I'm talking about, what's your plan to finance your endeavor? How are you going to get the resources? You're going to talk to entrepreneurs, you're going to hear from entrepreneurs as I talk to them on this show as you listen about how they finance their deals. And most of them you'll find are bootstrapped. In other words, they did it on their own. They, they cashed out a 401k or they took out a loan in their home or they borrowed money from mom and dad. They bootstrapped the businesses, but they had a plan for it. They didn't just go into work, you know, set up an office and just hope that money shows up so that they could pay for things. They had a plan. I had a guy call me, uh, it's been several months ago, and he's like, hey, Jason, I know you're a business coach. I got you know, I know you know so-and-so. I got to ask, ask a question about this business idea. And so he asked me and he said, um, he had this, well, he just told me the idea. And I said, okay, what's your plan? How are you going to finance that? Well, I don't, I don't know. I'm like, well, then don't even attempt. Until you figure that out, it won't matter. I'll give you an example from my current life right now. I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm looking at buying a motorcycle dealership. And I'm looking at four different dealerships right now. I got one that I'm mo more interested in than the rest. Well, I just found out terms yesterday, you know, um, before I recorded this show. And uh, so the, as soon as I found out the terms, I hung up the phone, made a few phone calls, and I got my plan in place to make sure that I could actually do this. That's what that means. So as you listen to The Root of All Success with me, The Real Jason Duncan, what you're going to find is you're going to find amazingly successful entrepreneurs, some that are nine-figure companies. I have one guest on here who sold a business he and his wife started in their bedroom for $450 million. You're going to hear about people that are on the early stages of building um, public companies. You're going to hear about people that are just doing uh, you know, maybe a million or two a year in revenue, but they're working, they're growing. But no matter what their status is in terms of money, you're going to find them to be wildly successful because they're achieving the results they wanted. And it always goes back to these five keys, 100% of the time. Passion, place, people, preparation, plan. That's what this show is about. That's why I record the show. And I want you to tune in. 
I want to thank the C-Suite Radio Network because we are syndicated on every single podcast player out there because of the syndication on the C-Suite Radio Network. They are wonderful to work with. Jeffrey Hazlett is the president of that company, and uh, we are honored to be part of that network. So shout out to C-Suite Radio Network. Also want to thank Joshua Sterling Smith, the owner of The Standard, because that's where I'm recording today. That's where I record most of my episodes. And we do this here because it's such a cool place. We've got these leather couches. We can smoke a cigar and have a glass of bourbon while we talk if, if we want. And you'll see on my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Duncan. You can subscribe to this playlist on the podcast and watch me talk with the guests. I've even been on location. I, I flew out to uh, Sacramento, California and recorded several episodes out there. And you'll see me go into different locations. I do some of them by Zoom when, when guests can't be on the show live and in person, we do it by Zoom, but I try to do them in person live because there's a different energy. So I want you to subscribe to the show. Please hit the bell icon on YouTube so that you get notified every time a new episode drops. And if you if you or someone you know would be a good guest for the show, I'm looking for entrepreneurs who are tremendously successful that have a great success story. Forget how much money they make or what their net worth is, but generally speaking, I'm looking for people to have a really interesting story because that's what I want to deliver to you, the listener, is a very interesting success story. Now, I will make this caveat too, is that while this show 99.9% .9 of the time focuses on entrepreneurs, business owners, but I'm also interested and will be continuing to build the show to interview other people that are maybe not entrepreneurs, but are successful in other ways. Maybe it's through education or politics or, or uh, athlete, athlete, you know, athletes or, or entertainers. So anybody who's got a success story, that's what the show is about. And you'll find that they always use these same five keys. Passion, place, people, preparation, plan, every single time. If you want to know more about the show, go to therootofallsuccess.com, therootofallsuccess.com. You can read all about the show. You can listen to the show, subscribe to the show, review the show right there on my website. And then while you're there, it has the links to all the other things that I do, like my Exit Accelerator Group Coaching Cohort, uh, the Exeter Club, which is my mastermind for entrepreneurs who want to exit their businesses. Like this is what I do, is to help people just like you get the results you want out of life. That's my mission is to use my gifts of teaching, my gifts of leadership, and formats like this podcast to help you get the results you want out of life. So make sure you tune in again for the next episode where I interview a super successful person about his or her journey to success, how they did what they did, and I guarantee you you'll find these five things, passion, place, people, preparation and plan, and their story. So I'm the real Jason Duncan. I'll see you next time, and remember this, Jesus is King. Thank you for listening to another edition of The Root of All Success with The Real Jason Duncan. If you've enjoyed this week's episode, we invite you to visit therootofallsuccess.com to access the show notes and other helpful resources. Take charge of your business. Grow it from great to incredible. Join us again next time here on The Root of All Success. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.